This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, you all know Martha Stewart, but have you heard of the melanin Martha? She's a Chicago cook, food preservationist, and cultural historian who uses food to explore her culture and identity and to address issues of mental health and trauma. And today, she'll celebrate Juneteenth at what's called Monday Night Food Ball. Jordan Wimby, the melanin Martha, joins us now. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to Reset. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining. I wonder how melanin Martha came to be. Oh, wow. Well, at first, I, I tell people all the time, at first, I actually um, named my brand the millennial Martha because I felt like the, a major part of my life was being a millennial, but it wasn't until really George Floyd and um, the Black Lives Matter movement that I actually started to rethink my identity in a way that I wanted to lead and lean into my blackness a little bit more. So you shifted from the millennial Martha to the melanin Martha. Now, yeah. were you always interested in the cooking aspect of things? Yeah, I have always loved to cook. I've been cooking since I was in probably the sixth grade. Um, I grew up in a single parent or solo parent household. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of a latchkey kid in a sense. My mother was a CPS teacher um, and stayed after school sometimes. And I would go home and be starving and want a snack. And so I would dabble in the kitchen here and there. Um, And my mother just started to notice I was like really taken to the kitchen and creating things via food and Mm -hmm. flavor. Um, I would watch I would watch the Food Network while I did my homework. Yeah. <laughs> she told me, as long as you, you know, keep kind of exploring this passion, I'll buy the ingredients if you want to try the recipes. And so I have always loved to be in the kitchen and I've always loved to cook, but I never thought of it as a career. Um, I went to a performing arts high school. I've always been involved in the arts, mm-hmm. but I never saw myself working in restaurants or cooking for people or, um, yeah, in, in that culinary world. It right. always was a hobby or a place that I could kind of find solitude. Um, Interesting. But, but so yeah. you're a kid getting these recipes from the Food Network, right? I know so often growing up, and, and I'm speaking for myself too, you know, we will get recipes from family members as well. Did you get any of those like from your mom or maybe a grandparent? A couple, you know, and I think that's what makes what I'm doing so interesting is because a lot of African Americans or black folks in this country or around the world really receive recipes through like oral traditions just being passed down. Um, My family were not big cooks. I also have a, a pretty interesting and complicated family dynamic, but I received maybe one or two recipes from a grandmother, but that was really about it. There were no, there were no um, recipes that we were sharing with one another in our household. We were kind of eating, you know, the standard convenience meals, mm-hmm. things that were easy. Everyone in my family worked for CPS, so it was constantly busy, you know, after school practices or you know, leading debate team or grading papers or getting ready for parent teacher conferences, and so they really leaned into the ease of food, um, food for sustenance, not for connection, except for special holidays. Talk more about that, how you came to focus your cooking on the intersection of Black identity and food. Mm. That's a great question. Um, So in, what was it, 2015? Wow, it feels so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Way back when. 
way back when I was a youngin. No, in 2015, I moved to um, Florence, Italy. I actually moved to Tuscany. I was in a really small town called Marema, which is in Arezzo, which is also in central Italy. And my grandmother's best friend was my babysitter growing up. And she is still, I call her my Nona. She's like my Italian grandmother. Mm -hmm. And um, I went with her and her family to Italy and I fell in love. So I ended up staying for about three years and I worked on a winery and um, then I moved to Florence, the city of Florence, and took culinary classes for food pairing and wine and just the wines of Italy. And I was really dedicated and learning and exploring beverage and food in that way. But while I was there, I was traveling a lot. I was going to Barcelona and and Paris and Switzerland, you name it. I was traveling all throughout these regions, just learning about the culture through tasting the food. I see. And I realized that there is a very clear cultural connection and understanding of who they are through the lens of food and flavors. If you go anywhere, and for example, if you are in um, the south of Italy, the food is spicier and there is a proudness and a cultural awareness. And every region has something that they pride themselves on in terms of the culinary, right? in terms of flavors and foods and the types of crops that grow in those regions. And I was realizing that there is an intersectionality to food and identity that I had never experienced before as a black person in the States. Um, even though my family are very pro-black, you know, I grew up with conversations surrounding racism or colonialism, the transatlantic slave trade. These were conversations that were not shy in my family at all. But when it came to black food and soul food and our cuisine, that was something that I had never learned about mm-hmm. through my family. Yeah. And so I came back to the States and then I moved to San Diego, which was a very bleak year for me because I felt I had lost community um, when I was in San Diego. But the one thing that I held on to was my love of cooking. And I would go to the farmer's market every day and find a new ingredient Um, I was finding like different herbs that I've never like knew I could forage before and like creating these really cool dishes. And I came back to Chicago and the pandemic happened and then George Floyd happened. And it was really the George Floyd protest that I realized, okay, I'm sitting on something really important here and I've been missing a key factor in my own identity. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. My blackness is so important and I could be finding comfort because I find comfort in cooking. I could be finding so much more comfort in exploring my own cultural foods. And so that's what I did. And that's how the Melon and Martha came into fruition. So you have a recipe collection that you call Ancestral Favorites Reimagined. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So... I do a lot of research. A part of what I do is exploring um, recipes and finding all of the recipes that people might not have access to and then recreating them in a way that is fun for me and allows me to explore past the trauma that exists within those recipes. So I look back to like colonial um, the colonial era a lot of the time to find 
certain recipes um, from coming from black chefs. I have researched a plethora of um, historical black figures who worked in the White House or who were enslaved chefs. And I try to take these recipes from them and recreate them. Um, or at least take the flavors and the ingredients from our culture and our history and reinvent them in a way that people might not have thought about before. Can you talk more about what you found about the roots of the foods? Mm. Yes. I had always imagined, and I there's a part of me that feels shame um, from the way that I had viewed soul food in the past. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I was proud of. And I should start with that. It wasn't something that I grew up eating. It wasn't something that I felt connected to. Why? I knew um, because I felt like there was this idea that soul food equals slave food. And that was a part of me that I was not wanting to revisit. You know, I knew there was so much trauma and I just, a part of me wanted to move past the trauma. You know, it's, I was a young black person who experienced a large amount of racism. I grew up in Beverly and on the South side of Chicago. Um, and I experienced a lot of trauma revolving being black. So I was trying to like, I, I guess I really didn't want to give any more reason for people to not accept me. Yeah. And I felt like food was one of those things, you know, you hear that the reason Black people are dying is because they eat fried chicken all the time or our food isn't healthy. All we eat is mac and cheese and candied yams and heaping amounts of sugar and lots of meat and this and that. And I didn't actually understand the origins of that, even though I knew my history. And so there was a shame and a, a denial or a um, like a rejection of, of my own cultural foods for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But as I started exploring and doing my research and reading and learning, I realized that our food is a representation of survival. It is a representation of strength and ability. And I just, I guess there's a part of me now that is so proud to know that my ancestors and the ancestors of all black and brown people were able to create something so deliciously beautiful out of something that is so traumatic and ugly. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the root of our food means. Now you're, you're taking over the kitchen at Kedzie Inn for the uh, Chicago readers weekly chef pop-up. Do you already know what you're going to cook? Oh yes. Yes. I am very, (laughs) very excited. (laughs) What are you I've making? Dreaming about every day. I am going to be making some double double dipped buttermilk okra. Ooh. Um, some beef mini meat pies, which are infused with curry leaves and orange peel. I'll be making a catfish etouffee, a cauliflower etouffee. My goodness. Vegetarians and vegans. And then I have. Um, created some delicious strawberry mint hibiscus ice pops for that little nostalgia throwback. Plus, it's so hot these days. It is. I just figured we might want to have like a popsicle. Uh, (laughs) I will also be making a bourbon sweet potato creme brulee. You had me at curry. (laughs) Um, You know, 
we can't talk about black identity and food, Jordan, uh, without talking about the fact that in many areas, including here in Chicago, there are actually entire black neighborhoods where food access, that's just easier said than done, right? Yeah. We have food deserts or what many people call food apartheid. Yeah. Briefly tell me how that informs your work and exploration. You know, that's also a great question. And it's something that has been at the top of my mind since I started this project because I realize with doing the work that I'm doing, you know, I talk about reinventing our cultural dishes and my main goal is to get people to think outside the box when it comes to our foods or try new things when it comes to our foods. But with that comes a brutal reality that for a lot of black and brown people, especially in Chicago and around the U.S., stepping outside the box is not available. Some people don't have access to step outside the box and, you know, don't have access to infusing their recipes with fresh curry leaves or having high quality meat. Some people are solely surviving off of what they know because that is what they have access to. And that is something that I've really seen a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people Mm -hmm. regarding Melon and Martha and the project and the work that I'm doing. Um, It is really hard to, to reach everybody when not everyone has access to grocery stores, fresh produce, fresh eggs, meat products that make them excited about cooking. Um, And that's another thing is like, not everyone is excited about being in the kitchen because of the situation and the environment that they're in. And that also needs to be recognized. It's Juneteenth, right? And it's also Pride Month. Yeah. I know you're a Black queer creative. So how are you celebrating this month and this moment? This moment. Yeah, there's a, you know, it's, I love this month. (laughs) I love this month. It's a good month. It's a good month. And, you know, what I'm doing, I really want people to realize around the world that there is, we live at the center of intersection and things are not just black and white. And you can be a lot of different ways. You can create things in so many different ways. I tell people all the time, even with food, there are so many different varieties and variations of everything, including flavors or ingredients. You know, if we even think about it, there's different color potatoes and different colored carrots and different flavors that each of those things bring. And I think that's why I love food so much is because it's a representation of who I am as a person. I'm a black queer woman who is really wanting to show people that there are a lot of different variations of things and a lot of reasons why things make people feel joy and feel happy. And so this month, I'm really leaning into that by just cooking more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I cook a lot and I recently got engaged to oh, congratulations. my beautiful fiance, Patrice. And we're just celebrating by like, I don't know, cooking together, having a lot of meals together and just basking in the fact that like we get to experience love as two black women. That's wonderful. That is awesome. Yeah. Jordan Wimby, also known as the Melanin Martha. You can find her at the Monday Night Foodball. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I hope to see you all tonight and come taste some yummy food. 
Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.